Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. And today, George Washington's vision at Valley Forge. Valley Forge was the crucible of America's war for independence. In the fall of 1777, the war had been going for two years, and it was not going well for the colonists. Washington had saved his troops by long forced marches, and they were exhausted and had worn out clothing, and, and their shoes were a shambles. Some didn't even have shoes. Washington gave many impassioned pleas to the Continental Congress for help, but it was powerless to do anything but beg for help from each colony. Washington was really on his own to try and keep his ragtag troops together during the winter months that are coming. His problem was immense. He had a 12,000-man army. How can you protect and keep morale high when there are virtually no provisions? He began the winter in the middle of December in the middle of a large valley. He had 12,000 troops that came into a bare valley. He put the troops to work, and within six weeks they had constructed over 1,000 log huts. Each one of those huts required about 80 logs and had to be brought in from, from a considerable distance. That was kind of hard on the horses. And during this time, hundreds of horses died of hunger and exhaustion. And the men felt like it too. And then disease began to hit the men. Out of the 12,000 men that began the winter, over 2,000 died because of a variety of diseases, uh, including smallpox, dysentery, measles, and, and just plain starvation. Now, he, he stopped the smallpox because they, they'd found out about inoculation, and they tried it, and it worked. Uh, there were no shoes, no clothes, not enough food. It was a terrible time for our country. In addition to the soldiers, there were hundreds of camp followers, wives, mothers, sisters, over 500 women who were dedicated to helping all they could. And they were help. They were such a good help in scavenging food and supplies for the men that later Congress awarded them half pensions for their help. But they were also part of the starving problem that Washington faced. We had only come through two years of the war, and they could not have guessed, but there was another five years ahead of them. What would keep him going? What would keep George Washington going? How could he keep faith? Now, during the Revolutionary War, we lost a little over 2,500 killed in action. We lost another 8,500 in British prisons. And then we lost over 10,000 men to sickness and disease. 2,000 of those we lost right there in Valley Ford. George Washington was a man of God. Can you imagine how he felt? Did he pray? Yes, by all accounts, he prayed often. The following account of the vision of George Washington has been attacked by some who, who've called it just a folk tale. I believe it really happened. There are too many bits of evidence to allow me to not believe that it happened. No, I wasn't there, so I didn't witness it. Well, a vision is a mighty personal thing, don't you think? Anyway, I believe it, and I believe you should too. But you're going to have to make up your own mind. But consider this. We also believe that God himself intervened in our behalf to win that war, just like George Washington. But he used George Washington to do it. Doesn't it seem logical to you that God would know that George would need a little extra help to keep his faith up? Well, this vision certainly does that. 
and in my opinion, it was enough to give George the faith he needed to keep on going for five more years of war. Now, this vision also tells the future of this republic. If it was a vision, and I believe it was, then we know that this final struggle that we're in today against socialism and progressivism will continue to get worse, but that we will win in the end, and we will retain the United States as a republic, not as a democracy, and not as a communist or socialist dictatorship. Okay, George Washington's vision. Uh, now, for, for many years, copies of Washington's vision at Valley Forge, uh, it was related by one Wesley Bradshaw. He was a reporter, and it was told to him by Anthony Sherman. Uh, well, he, he was the soldier that was in Valley Forge when it happened. Now, this reporter, Wesley Bradshaw, he put this in the newspaper the first time in 1859, and, and, and I'm going to start quoting from that so you'll understand just exactly the way he said it. The last time I ever saw Anthony Sherman was on the 4th of July, 1859, in Independence Square. He was then 99 years old and becoming very feeble. But though so old, his dimming eyes rekindled as he gazed upon Independence Hall, which he came to visit once more. Let us go into the hall, he said. I want to tell you of an incident of Washington's life, one which no one alive knows of except myself, and if you live, you will before long see it verified. From the opening of the Revolution we experienced all phases of fortune, now good and now ill, one time victorious, another conquered, the darkest period we had, I think, was when Washington, after several reverses, retreated to Valley Forge, where he resolved to spend the winter of 1777. Ah, I have seen often the tears coursing down our dear commander's careworn cheeks, as he would be conversing with a confidential officer about the condition of his poor soldiers. You have doubtless heard the story of Washington's going into the thicket to pray. Well, it was not only true, but he used often to pray in secret for aid and comfort from God. The interposition of which divine providence brought us safely through the darkest days of tribulation. One day, I remember it well, the chilly winds whistled through the leafless trees, Though the sky was cloudless and the sun shone brightly, he remained in his quarters nearly all the afternoon alone. When he came out, I noticed that his face was a shade paler than usual, and there seemed to be something on his mind of more than ordinary importance. Returning just after dusk, he dispatched an orderly to the quarters of the officer I mention, who was presently in attendance. After a preliminary conversation of about half an hour, Washington, gazing upon his companion with that strange look of dignity which he alone could command, said to the latter, So now, in the words of Anthony Sherman, as best as he could recall at least in 1859, we go to George Washington's vision as George Washington told him. 
This afternoon, as I was sitting at this table, engaged in preparing a dispatch, something seemed to disturb me. Looking up, I beheld standing opposite me a singularly beautiful female. So astonished was I, for I had given strict orders not to be disturbed, that it was some moments before I found language to inquire the cause of her presence. A second, a third, and even a fourth time did I repeat my question, but received no answer from my mysterious visitor except a slight raising of her eyes. By this time I felt strange sensations spreading through me. I would have risen, but the riveted gaze of the being before me rendered volition impossible. Oh, hey, folks, we're out of time. We'll get into the rest of this vision of George Washington tomorrow. Until then, remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends and speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry. <laughs>